Hi, I'm Irwin McManus. I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I want to also bring you into some exciting things that are happening here. If you go to the Mosaic app, you will learn about our conference coming up this year, about MSC's new album and their tour across the country. And you can learn how to connect and be more involved in Mosaic in so many different ways. And by the way, we now have the Mosaic YouTube channel. And you can go access not only these talks, but other fresh and new materials that are being created specifically for that channel. And so if you want to be connected in a richer and fuller way, uh, not only be a part of the podcast, get to the Mosaic app and get to the channel, and we'll see you there. So for, for the past several weeks, I've had an opportunity to kind of travel around a little bit. We were down in Sydney, and, and, uh, and then actually yesterday we were up in Carmel, and a couple of weeks ago we were on a farm. And Have you ever had different disconnected experiences but begin to hear a recurring theme? It's almost as if someone's trying to have a conversation with you. We were on a farm a couple of weeks ago, and my wife, Kim, grew up on a farm, so she was having the time of her life. I mean, I was happy to be there. And, and it, it, was, it was a wonderful experience to be able to go to and leave. And, uh, <laughs> but I could tell that Kim wanted to live on the farm. We were there with two of our friends, Tercy's and, and Matthew, who are the founders of Cafe Gratitude and Gracias Madre. And, and they, they had this organic farm. I thought all farms were organic, but I, I was learning all kinds of things while I was there. And, it was a little different for me, you know, because I'm used to maybe a dog running through the house, not like lambs running through the house, but it was all right. And, and, and then Matthew took me on a walk to the farm and started explaining things to me that I don't remember or understand and did not understand while he was explaining them. And, but but I, it didn't look like a farm because I had in my, in my mind an idea because what I'd seen is farms where there are perfect rows and, and, and there are tomatoes, 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 or oranges, 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 or whatever it may be. But theirs was... Not like that. It was sort of a psychedelic farm where, where all these different kinds of trees and there was all this wildlife and, and in between the rows there were sheep eating and, and he was explaining to me how the way that we farm tried to make everything standardized is not the way that God created it. That we tend to standardize things and because of that it loses its dynamic and he, and he starts walking me through how these different trees have a community together and they have an internet system that they communicate and they pass onto each other minerals that they need and I'm, I, I'm just, my mind is just being blown away. And, and then he, he's explained to me why they have sheep in between all the different rows of, of plant life and, and he said because the, then the sheep, they, they graze and then they, they poop and, uh, and, and then that, that waste becomes fertilizer, but, but he would, they would move those sheep every day. And he said, that's why predators are necessary because predators would keep the herds moving and, and that way the herds wouldn't eat where they just pooped. Otherwise that would cause them to be diseased and so it would keep them moving. And he says, everything in nature has a reason for existing. And one of the beautiful things in nature is that in nature there is nothing wasted. And so then we go to Sydney and, and we see the, the beautiful environment that's there and you begin to realize how the coral reefs are so delicate and so fragile, so extraordinary, inhabiting such incredible wildlife. And, 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 and they're so complex and it seems like the only thing that can destroy them is us. And then we go up to Carmel to this conference called EG where they have all these leading thinkers and, and the world of, 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 you know, of science and botany and biology and archaeology and anthropology and all these uh, world-renowned photographers. And, and they start talking about the same things, uh, about how the, the earth is this unique system. And, and in fact, it, it, one photographer uh, studied orangutans and, and they captured orangutan on its last day when it died. 
And then they, they took the orangutan and they laid it down and they came back two weeks later and they took a picture and two weeks later there was nothing but bones left. They said because in nature there is nothing wasted. And so over those two weeks the, the insects ate that orangutan and it was all gone. So this is incredible. This makes so much sense because I've never really understood how the ocean doesn't get polluted except by us because there are all these animals like fish, crustaceans, sharks, octopus. They all live in the ocean and they're all pooping. Like I'm thinking like they're all living. They're, they're doing life in the ocean, but they're not ruining the ocean. How is that possible? How is it possible for, for termites and mosquitoes and beetles to exist and yet somehow not ruin the natural order. How is it possible? Those are the only ones to do that. Because <laughs> then I saw these terrifying photographs of plastics and how we're destroying the environment, destroying the ocean. And I, and I started processing my mind going, Kim, do you remember when, when we were younger, they told us to stop using paper bags, to use plastic because plastics were better than paper. And, and, and yet we create things that seem to stop the cycle of recreation. I started wondering if that's the way it is with God in relationship to us. Is it possible that, that you ever felt like your life has been wasted? You ever felt that, that, that a season in your life was wasted or, or maybe you, you, you wasted a moment? Because I, I know, I, I, I've looked back at my life and thought, man, did I just waste that season of my life. Sometimes I, I waste a season. Sometimes it looks like that season is my entire life. Have you ever had a moment where you look back and go, I wonder if I wasted my life? See, here's a strange thing. If you actually live an unnatural life outside of the way God created you to live, if you become plastic rather than human, and then you start wondering if your life is wasted, but I want you to know something. God has an amazing way that no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've been, what journey you've been on, that God has an incredible way of pulling you together because with God, there is nothing wasted. And so I was looking at Moses' life because Moses is one of those lives, it has an epic ending and, and a really horrific beginning and middle. You have to wait a long time for the epic ending. And so Moses' story is kind of written fast at the beginning and then slow at the end. A lot of focus on when Moses made a difference in the world and very little focus on when Moses didn't know if he was different at all. But there's a moment in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen, giving the only message he's ever given, because then he was stoned to death, talks about Moses. And beginning in verse 20, he says, at that time, and we'll talk about what that time was, but at that time Moses was born. And he was no ordinary child. And by the way, I want you to know that when you were born, you were no ordinary child. You qualify. No matter what anyone else has ever told you about you, you were extraordinary when you were born. I'm convinced there's never been an ordinary child born on this planet, and yet the tragedy is a lot of us live painfully ordinary lives. So maybe the question is, how did we begin so extraordinary and so ordinary? At the time Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. Then he was placed outside. Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. It was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. 
Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, brothers, man, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you judge and ruler over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their groaning, and I have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses that had rejected, been rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be the ruler and deliverer by God himself through an angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. I love the story of Moses for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is that his story is unexpected. It's, to me, a wonderful reminder that how you start doesn't have to be the way you finish. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I got a bad start on life. And I'm spending a lot of my life trying to catch up with everyone else who got a really good start. See, the opening phrase of verse 20, at that time Moses was born, what he's actually saying is it was a really bad time to be born. It was a really bad time and a a bad place to be born. Have you ever wondered why God picked where you were born, to whom you were born? Why did you give me the parents I have? Why did you make me the color I am? Why did you give me the disadvantages that I have? At that time, Moses was born. At that time, it says there was a Pharaoh who did not remember Joseph. He did not remember how good God had been to Egypt through the Hebrews. He had forgotten that they were at peace and that God had called them together, that God had brought Egyptians and Hebrews together and made them one people. He had forgotten how good God was. And so he decided to wipe out the Hebrews. And so he sent out an edict to kill all the firstborn sons. And Moses was born as a firstborn son. And he should have been killed at that time. See, maybe you thought you were born at a disadvantage. And one of the things that Moses' story can let you know is it doesn't matter how you start. You don't have to finish like that. I remember when I was in high school, I was in the regional um, finals for track and field. I was a, a high hurdler. And and I, I, I was so nervous. It was a night meet. And I, I've always had stigmatism. So at night, all the lights would blur. And so everything just felt so surreal to me. And, and my heart was pounding against my chest. And we were sitting up blocks. And I was running late from one event to event. And, and so I went over there. And, and I, I, I set the, the starting blocks exactly how my feet needed to be. And, and then I got myself ready to go. And I remember when... when, when uh, the race was about to start, and he said, set, and then the gun set off, and everybody just exploded out of their, their, um, their blocks, except for me. My blocks went shooting in the opposite direction, and I went face down into the ground. Because it was the first time I ever raced in a cinder track, and, and I don't know if I forgot or didn't do it right, but I did not nail the spikes 
that held the blocks into the ground. And so the entire force of my energy, instead of thrusting me forward, sent the blocks backwards. And it was the most humiliating moment up to that point in my life to watch everyone taking off running and knowing there was no way I could ever catch up. In many ways, that moment felt like a metaphor for my life. It felt like I was always starting late. You know, sometimes you can say you're a late bloomer. Sometimes you can just feel like everyone is just moving faster than you. But I want you to realize that Moses started his life in the worst of situations. In verse 21, it says, when he was placed outside. That phrase has so much texture to it. What was going on here was that they were killing all the firstborn sons. And so they had to find a way to save their son, but they didn't know how to save their son. So Moses' parents put Moses, who was a little infant, into a small basket and dropped him into the river where he could be eaten by crocodiles or drown a painful death. He was placed outside because there's nowhere safe inside for him. He was placed outside, then he drifts down a river, and of all the people to find him, it's Pharaoh's daughter, the very man who commanded his death, was now going to become his protector. Can you imagine being raised by a surrogate mom whose father wants you dead? You thought you had family issues. And then on top of all that, his real mother comes to work for his not real mother, And he's not a Hebrew anymore because he's now an Egyptian, but he's not an Egyptian because he's actually Hebrew, so he doesn't know who he is. Moses was placed outside. I want you to know, see, with God, there is nothing wasted. See, every wound... you've ever suffered. See, sometimes what happens in our life is we feel we're too broken for God to do anything great with our lives. Sometimes we start too much at a deficit for our lives to ever amount to something significant. But I want you to know that there is nothing in your life that God cannot use to make your life better going forward. Because with God, there is nothing wasted. Moses was placed outside. See, I understand this, being an immigrant from El Salvador, learning English as my second language, being an ethnic minority in a world where no one had ever seen a Latino before in their entire lives. See, I know what it's like to be an outsider looking in, and so many of you have maybe even been angry going, God, why am I an outsider? Why am I never a part of the center? And is it possible that God wants you to be an outsider because the outsiders are the ones who need you the most? So instead of lamenting and, 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 and being embittered toward all the wounds and scars you have in your life, realize that those are the markers that make you relevant for the people who carry those same wounds and those same scars. Moses was placed outside. I think most of us spend our lives hoping someone will pull us inside. But God placed him on the outside so that he could actually lead those who were estranged. Those who were from the outside looking in. The entire Hebrew people were strangers in a strange land. I think sometimes we look at ourselves and we think, no, nah, I'm too damaged. I'm just damaged goods. 
Sometimes you look back and think, God, why did you let this happen to me? And I want you to know we have a world full of pain and suffering. We have a world full of disappointment. We have a, so many of us stories of failure. But I want you to realize that those are not the waste of your life. Because with God, nothing is wasted. See, God takes all those wounds, all those scars, all that pain, all that suffering, all the disappointment. He takes it all and he shapes you to become someone the world desperately needs you to be. Moses was placed outside. And while he was an outsider, he didn't know who he was. I mean, someone with an identity crisis. Imagine being raised by the Egyptians or being a Hebrew. But you're never going to be an Egyptian. They're never going to accept you because you're a Hebrew. But now you're not a Hebrew anymore because you've been raised by the Egyptians. And and so you're never going to be accepted by the Hebrews because you're always going to be an Egyptian. Moses was someone who didn't belong anywhere. He was outside of everyone and everything. Sometimes I think we misunderstand. I've had people ask me, how is it possible to understand people so well? And I think, you know, the reason I understand people so well is because I spent my entire life struggling to understand myself. Because if you can be honest about the pain inside of your life, if you can be honest about the wounds that you bear, if you can be honest about your own disappointments and your own failures, if you can be honest about your fears and your doubts, now you can understand everyone in the world. See, it's only when we are dishonest with ourselves that we become estranged from everyone else. Then he goes on to say in verse 22, but Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. I thought, what a waste of an education, right? Here you have Moses being educated in the ways of the Egyptians when God all along knew he was going to lead the people of Israel out. So why educate them in the ways of the Egyptians if you're going to use them to be the founder of Israel? You ever felt like somehow you didn't get it right? I meet so many people who change careers like eight times. But I meet some some people with significant career shifts, like scientists from MIT, and now I'm a photographer. Medical doctor, but now I'm a painter. I have friends that I go, you studied what? Yes, I'm a lawyer, but I'm selling real estate. I'm a botanist, but I'm an actor. There, there are so many of us sometimes that go, what was I thinking? Because it didn't take you where you were going. And I look back on my life and see, I didn't know that I was going to come to believe in God. I didn't have that in my future plans. I had no idea I would ever be speaking, trying to convince people that God loves them. And that you can't do life without the God who created you. I had no idea I would be here. And I look back and I realize, you know, I was just a philosophy student and a psychology student. What was I thinking? God, why did you waste my life having me study Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and Locke and Hume and Descartes? God, why would I waste my life reading Thoreau's Walden over and over and over again? How many times can you go to the pond? And when I became a follower of Christ, they told me, you got to get rid of all those books. And you got to get rid of all those albums. All those Rolling Stone and Beatle albums. I know, I want them back so badly. And, and, and for a while, I was taught that I had wasted my life studying the wrong things because they didn't prepare me for the life that God had for me. And then I found out that Moses was educated in the wisdom of the Egyptians, and this was God's strategy for him. 
See, some of you don't even realize that your education is not accidental. That what you've learned in life is not incidental. That, that what God has placed inside of you, wherever you learned it from, it actually matters. There's a contribution you can make to the world. Now, it doesn't matter what domain or discipline. doesn't matter if you studied art or architecture, whether you're a scientist or an educator. It doesn't matter if you're an artist or a writer, if you're a barista or a salesman. It doesn't matter what your skill set is. God has been sending you through school so that you can make a difference in the world. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and powerful in speech and action. I, I love being in a room. That's one of the reasons I've loved this, this conference in, in Carmel, to be there for a couple days just listening to all these people who do not believe in God and learning from them the great insights that they're gaining from their study of the world and to realize that, that all truth is God's truth. And a person doesn't actually have to believe in God to discover something God has actually done in the world. Now I look back and I realize even as a kid reading Robert Heinlein, Andre Norton, and Isaac Asinoff and just drenching my mind from the age of nine with science fiction prepared me for this story. Because who would have ever thought that reading people whose imaginations were so expansive would teach me to dream and to imagine? I want you to know that there's nowhere and there's no one that you cannot learn from. There's something wrong in the modern understanding of faith, where we think we need to only learn from each other and not learn from everyone. If you only listen to people who agree with you, you're not learning anything. If you can't learn from people who see the world completely differently than you, you're gonna stop expanding your mind, your soul, your essence. Moses was educated all the wisdom of the Egyptians. It was powerful in speech and action. See, because with God, there is nothing wasted. Every school you've ever learned, every lesson you've ever learned, every place that you've ever been, all of that was a part of the journey of God teaching you and educating you and preparing you. And some of you don't even realize you're engineers and we need you. You're producers and we need you. You're teachers and we need you. You're artists and we need you. You're dancers and we need you. You're You have a unique contribution that only God has placed inside of you and the world needs you to use it as a gift to the world. But when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw how one of them was being mistreated by the Egyptians, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Anybody think that's a good idea? I think it's funny. When, when, When I listen to people talk about people in the Bible, whenever it's the, the hero, we always act like everything they did was right. That, see, this is wrong. We always try to justify, oh yeah, yeah, but you know, he was on God's side. No, this was a, a terrible thing to do. See, Moses killed someone and he wasn't supposed to. God did not want him to. He saw one of them being mistreated by the Egyptians, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. I love what it says in verse 25. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Wow, how surprising. They don't trust a killer. (laughs) Moses thought, hey, here I am. Just kill this guy for you. And he's surprised that they didn't see God in him. 
this just to me makes clear how broken Moses was. He was so broken in his identity. He was so broken in his essence. He thought that God would want him to kill an Egyptian. You know why Moses came to that conclusion? Because that's what he was taught. See, he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. See, when Pharaoh disagreed with you, he killed you. When Pharaoh didn't want you around, he killed you. When Pharaoh didn't like what you were doing, he killed you. He had one solution to every problem. So Moses here was like his father, Pharaoh. He did what Pharaoh would do. He saw an Egyptian, he didn't like what he was doing, and he killed him. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers, why do you want to hurt each other? Which is kind of funny. He's saying, shouldn't you guys treat each other better? Not like I killed the Egyptian yesterday because he doesn't count. Isn't that funny how we give ourselves permission to hate the people we hate. But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? This is so telling because Moses didn't feel guilty until he was caught. When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian. That's how I know he knew it was wrong. He ran for his life, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. That phrase, where he settled, where he settled, where he settled. See, I think so many of us feel like our lives are wasted. Now, not just because we're so broken or we have so many wounds or we have so much pain that we're carrying into the future. And, and, and by the way, the only way you're ever going to get past the pain of the past is to forgive. One of the things I noticed about Moses, he never goes back to try to retaliate against Pharaoh. Even when he knows he has the power of God, he never uses any of that power for his own personal vengeance. He doesn't carry that bitterness going forward. He just puts it behind him. And sometimes we feel like we just haven't been prepared for the challenges God has ahead of us. But I want you to know that God has been preparing you. You just don't realize you've been in his school. You don't realize that God has been educating you, that God has been putting in you what you need for the future. But I want you to realize that, that with God, there's nothing wasted even in your failures. Every time you failed, there's this instinct that says, I've just wasted my life. Here Moses kills someone and he runs for his life and he wastes the next 40 years of his life wandering in a wilderness being something he's not supposed to be. You ever felt like you made a choice that cost you your future? You, you, you ever made a decision that you knew the consequences were just so overwhelming? Have, have you ever had that moment you just wished, oh God, just kill me? Nah, not you. But I've been there. I've been at that point in my life where I thought, God, I just don't know if I can take this. I don't know if I can do this one more day. God, I just don't know if I can carry the weight of this. And you know what's really frustrating? When you can't blame anyone else. Right? When you look at your life and you're like, this is on me. Yesterday, 
I had my day planned because Kim and I were in Carmel. We had a few days at the conference. We we're going to catch a plane at 9.30 in the morning, get home at 11 o'clock. And then I was going to go to my first soccer game of the LAFC uh, football team. And uh, I was so excited to get to go. And we're taking a couple of friends. And, and, and then we get this update. Your plane is delayed from 9.30 to 10.30 due to weather patterns, whatever. Okay, God's in charge of the weather. Can't blame anyone for that one. So we just go get some breakfast and, and I'm sort of, I can't believe it, but I can still make it. I can get home by, by 12 and we can run over to the match at one. It's going to be okay. And, and, and then we go to the airport to return the rental car. And, and right when we're outside of security, I get a new update. Your flight is leaving at 940, but it was 922. And I'm on the outside of security. So I'm like, Kim, run with her little legs just trailing behind me and... I'm trying to get through security. And, and, and the guy at security goes, it's too late. They've closed the doors. So they can't close the doors. They just sent me the update right now. They go, it, it, I'm telling you, the doors are closed. You can't get on the plane. I, I said, that's not possible because they told me it's going to leave an hour from now. They just changed it right now. We're here, here, right now. He goes, well, you can go through if you want. I said, I want to go through. So we go through. I run to the gate. Kim chasing behind me. And I see the plane. But the door is closed. But it's right there, taunting me. And I'm like, I, that's our plane. He goes, I'm sorry, sir, but the doors are closed. No, but, but it's not supposed to leave for another hour. He goes, yeah, but we just had an update. Yeah, but that's 940. You closed that door at 922 because I was here. You closed. Is, that, that plane's overbooked, isn't it? You, it's overbooked, and that's why you did that. And that poor little guy just staring at me. <laughs> and I was so mad. I know I'm not allowed to be mad. You've just been so angry. You don't even know why you're angry. I was so angry. And you know what really made me angry? I knew he couldn't do anything. He wasn't the blame. He wasn't United Airlines. He, he was just a kid wondering why he was working for United Airlines. And, and I don't know why, but it just, it just made me so mad because I had plans. So I just I wanted to explode. But I I just always meet someone who listens to the podcast. And I just just knew this kid was going to go, oh, I listened to Mosaic. So I just walked away. I I, I didn't even say, excuse me, goodbye. I just walked away. And and then I I took my bag and I threw the bag on a chair. There. I'm angry. I'm going to confess something. Confession is good for the soul. I, I went to the corner and I kicked the chair. It, it, it was screwed in. I couldn't hurt it. It's like, ah! He was like, honey, honey, calm down. It's okay. That poor kid. If you're listening, I am so sorry. Had. I wanted someone I could blame for what was out of my control. And there was no one to blame. So I, so Kim said, well, 34 and one, that's, that's a good record. So 34 and one, what, what's that? She says, we've been married 34 years. I've never seen you lose your temper in 34 years. Now you're 34 and one. <laughs> <laughs> I did not lose my temper. 
That was me controlling my temper. <laughs> but you know what I, I found in life? Sometimes we make decisions in our life and we let them cripple us and steal from us our future. Rather than realizing that there's no, there's no wasted with God. See, maybe you've failed in the past. Maybe you've really messed up. Maybe you've, you've sinned against God and sinned against other people, and you're like, man, I've really, really messed up. And there's no one to blame but yourself. And you just feel it inside, and you feel trapped. But, but here's what you need to realize, is that the only way to leave your past in the past is to let God create a new future. And... So we sat down, we had to wait for four and a half hours. I mean, I tried everything, every airport, checking out how long it would take for me to drive back to LA. And eventually, four different people got to use my tickets and have an experience they wouldn't have had if I had made it home. And so God multiplied that good to other people. Thought, okay, I'm at the airport for three or four hours, so I said, okay, let's do a Q&A on Twitter. So I started this long question and answer session on Twitter where it just probably a hundred different people started sending in questions and all right, let's just do all the good we can. And, and God's like that. He, he, he's one of those gods who says, look, every time you failed, you thought it was waste. But for me, it was fertilizer. <laughs> That'll take you a minute. <laughs> because there are things that you'll do, choices you'll make, things that you got to own. You just go, yeah, it was me. See, I've made some bad decisions in my life. I've made some wrong choices in my life. I've messed up in my life. And there, there will always be people who want to define you by the worst moment in your life. See, there, there are people who will always look at Moses and say, you're just that killer, you're just that murderer, you're just that guy. And they'll never see who God made him. They'll just see who he was. But you cannot let other people keep you in your worst past. You cannot allow other people to define who you are and who you will become. You need to realize that with God, there is no waste. So every failure God will use as a way of making you stronger. Every failure God will use as a way of making you more honest. Every failure God will use as a way of making you more authentic. Every failure God will use to make you a person who's more trustworthy. Every failure God will use to make you a success. He settled as a foreigner. See, I think for most of us, we don't keep repeating the same destructive behavior all of our lives. Most of the time, we just end up settling for a lesser life. See, I wonder if God was writing your story, if right now he would say, and he settled, and she settled. There's some of you here, you settled for less because you believed what other people said about you. You settled for less because you thought you were your worst moment. You settled for less because you did not believe God could create a new you. You settled for less. And God has always created you for more. And he settled as a foreigner. And after 40 years had passed, that's a long time. I, I don't want you to wait that long. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert of Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. And he went over to get a closer look. And he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Moses trembled with fear, but did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their groaning and I've come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. 
See, with God, there is nothing wasted in those moments that you thought you've wasted, that season in your life that you thought was wasted. God's going to send you back to that moment, let you know he's been holding on to it all along, ready to do something new with your life. Now come, I'm going to send you back. And I love how Stephen writes this. He says in verse 35, this is the same Moses. He wants them to know this is the same Moses. The same Moses that came out of brokenness. The same Moses who was thrown out into the river. The same Moses who was raised by the Egyptians. The same Moses who never knew who he was. That same Moses who killed the Egyptian. That same Moses that ran for his life. That same Moses God took and used to set his people free. This is the same Moses that I've rejected with the words. Who made you ruler and judge? The answer is God. He was sent to be ruler and deliverer by God himself. So the angel appeared to him in the bush and he led them out of Egypt. They performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. This is the Moses. This is the Moses. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. You know what's curious? Even when Moses was running, God was preparing him. 40 years, Moses wandered in the wilderness alone. And now for 40 years, he's going to lead the Hebrews through the wilderness. You thought it was wasted time. You thought it was all a waste. But God has been turning it into a fertilizer. God has been taking all of your brokenness. God has been taking all of your failures. God has been taking all the moments that you thought were wasted that you could never get back. See, I've sat in a moment and I've looked back at my life and I've said, God, have I wasted my life? Have I lived the life you created me to live? God, have I done what I should have done? Have you ever felt that in your soul going, have I wasted my life? And I want you to know, see, with God, there's nothing wasted. Even when you mess up, even when you run away, even when you're filled with fear, even when you're trapped in doubt, see, even when you've made the worst decisions of your life, I want you to know you are not stuck there. Because with God, there is nothing, nothing, nothing wasted in your life. This is the thing, guys. I think sometimes we treat people as if they don't have infinite value to God. Sometimes we treat people like they're just waste. And I want you to know that God has never looked at a human being and said, nothing there. God looks at you even in your worst moments and says, oh no. You can't even see what I can see. If you could just see what I want to do with you, it would blow your mind. So if you're here and you feel like, ah, you're too broken, or you've just gone too far off track, or you just made too many mistakes, or you're just too old, or you're just too tired, or whatever it may be, I want you to know, with God, there's nothing wasted. He's just waiting for you to put your life in his hands. You know, only humans have two different disposable trash cans for the waste and the recyclable. 
right? You know, everything else in creation, there is no waste. It's all recyclable. It all returns back and brings life. So maybe it's time to stop living our lives making plastic. Let's stop being artificial and fake. Let's stop being self-destructive and realize, nah, you were made of divine material. And whatever you've done, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, or wherever you're right now, your soul is waiting to once again, beautifully, wonderfully reflect the image of God. Because with God, there is nothing wasted. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.